Before we get to the Vikings, unfortunately fascinating quarterback quandary going into Atlanta, uh, I, I want to make an observation here, Jeff. As much as I think so many Viking fans and me at times yearn for the you know start over with the young quarterback, build with him, build around him, develop him, have a rookie contract, and have a good long run of success, as much as we all love the idea of that scenario, it's a really fascinating division. The two teams that are going to are right now in playoff contention are the guys who went out and got a veteran quarterback from another team, uh, Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. And the two teams who look utterly hopeless are the teams that spent first round draft picks on quarterbacks and might be going back into the draft to spend more first round drafts on quarterbacks because it ain't going real well. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a that's a, a great observation. I think it's. It certainly can work the other way, as we've seen with sure. Kansas City and with Patrick Mahomes early in his career, with Seattle and Russell Wilson when they won a Super Bowl. So it, it, it's, it sounds great when it works. When it doesn't work, it can definitely set a franchise back. And it almost becomes the bird in the hand versus the two in the bush, as they say. Mm-hmm. And so I think that which kind of leads me to the, to the statement – that don't be so quick, Viking fans and league observers, to assume that Kirk Cousins has played his last game for the Vikings, which which we keep hearing after the injury. Oh, that, that's probably the end of his Viking career. Uh, not so fast, I would say, because I think there are a lot of reasons why there's an excellent chance he'll be back next year. And we can talk about starting with the fact that he's having a, a really good season until the injury hit and he was really kind of hitting his stride the last couple games and without Justin Jefferson, 74% completions the last three weeks, leads the league in touchdown passes, second in yards, third in passer rating, leads the league in completions. Then you go to the other reasons why I think he'll be back, his connection with with O'Connell and O'Connell certainly made it clear that how highly he thinks of, of Kirk said he's had having his best season. So why would you discard him and, and go with a rookie quarterback? Now, I think there are some other things that enter into the equation when I'm talking about why Cousins will be back. I think the fact that he's got an excellent supporting cast here, so why necessarily would he want to move? He's got a young family here. We've talked about that before to uproot his family. And there are no guarantees the Vikings are going to find a better quarterback in the draft. And even if they they draft a quarterback in the first round, which I fully expect they probably will, you have to assume a transition period for that young quarterback and to be the successor, as was the case with Mahomes. He sat for a year behind Alex Smith, came in the second year. He's MVP, third year he's Super Bowl champion. It makes a lot of sense, especially the Vikings offense under O'Connell is not simple. And we'll probably kind of see that take shape with with Jaron Hall the next few weeks. It's it's not an easy offense. And so I think there are so many reasons why Cousins could be back. He's got $28.5 million of dead money that they can figure out how to finagle that. 
under the under the the cap and with voidable years on a contract. And then you talk about the fact that from Cousins' perspective and from the agent's perspective, it it's kind of interesting that he plays eight games this season and he and he leaves on a high note with two of his best games of his career, really, especially the San Francisco on Monday night against that defense, even though they're not playing great, as, as we saw Joe Burrow take them apart after Cousins did. But for Kirk, he doesn't risk a down ending in a playoff loss, as he had last year against the Giants when he had the check down to Hawkinson that we've talked about repeatedly. He doesn't have that on his resume this year. He goes out on a high note, having won three straight and playing so well. So, for all those reasons that that we that I just mentioned, and and the fact that the Vikings are going to be drafting probably anywhere from fifteen to twenty-five in the first in the first round, so they'll probably get a shot at a really good quarterback because it's a deep class, but it, it won't be one of the top couple. So I, I think there are a lot of reasons why. He comes back. They figure out the contract. They draft a quarterback in the first round or maybe even in the second round, but I think it'll be a first round, and they groom that quarterback. How's that sound? It sounds good, and by the way, I agree with you. I think the overreaction that Cousins is out of here was just that, an overreaction. I think O'Connell, the way he talked about Cousins the other day, led me to the same conclusion that you did, which is not only do I think it would be a good idea to bring Cousins back, I think they think it'll be a good idea to bring Cousins back. All right, we got. Let's talk about the rest of the quarterbacks. Talk about the rest of the division, the rest of the league, the trading deadline, and the trip to Atlanta with Jaron Hall as a starting quarterback. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. He's Jeff Diamond, former Vikings general manager. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton, as always, is our producer. Uh, but if you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Go to talknorth.com. Find the Viking Update show. All of our other shows. Good Don Mitchell show this week with a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings and Mike Zimmer and his relationship with him, plus our guest, Andre Yak. Uh, check that out as well. Again, if you like a show, subscribe. Uh, you'll find other shows and other sports, other topics you like at talknorth.com. We've got 20-plus shows, and we continue to grow. Thanks for that. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. We want to thank our longtime sponsors, uh, White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. So let's get to this week. Jaron Hall is going to play against Atlanta. Uh my sense, my gut feeling after talking to everybody out at Winter Park, or not Winter Park, excuse me, TCO Performance Stadium on Wednesday, my sense, Jeff, is they just want Jaron Hall to get him through this week, and then they probably turn to Josh Dobbs after that, unless uh, unless you know Hall tends to light it up this week, which I'm doubting he'll be able to do. What's your view of their predicament there? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Jaron Hall has, has, a, has a great opportunity this week that if he goes in and plays really well against against the Falcons <clears throat> and has a, a great performance, and it's possible because we, we saw uh, the, the Falcons' pass defense has been up and down this year and so didn't, did not play great against Tennessee last week and let a, let a rookie quarterback, Will Levis, kind of light him up. And DeAndre Hopkins had a big game. I, I think that I, I, yeah, I definitely agree that Jaron Hall has this great opportunity. If he's just so-so, then I think there's a, a 
pretty good chance that they turn to either either Dobbs or perhaps Nick Mullins if he if he is back, recovered from his back injury, because Mullins has played okay and he's got 17 career starts under his belt. But I think Dobbs is the guy that they're kind of intrigued by, that he's got a little bit more mobility. And I think that's it's also another reason why I say that Cousins will be back because they didn't they didn't go out and trade a, a first round pick to go get an established starting quarterback anywhere. Mm-hmm. They, they traded a sixth round pick for and a seventh conditional for Josh Dobbs, who has a one and nine record as a career starter. Now he did beat the Cowboys this year, <laughs> so that was impressive. And I, I saw a lot of Josh Dobbs when I was in Nashville, living in Nashville, and watching the, a lot of University of Tennessee games. And he was, he was a really good college quarterback in the SEC, a fourth-round pick of the Steelers. But he, but he's a career backup, as as is guy as is Mullins, and although Mullins has a few more starts, Tieran Hall, he'll be interesting to watch. I, I expect the Falcons to throw more blitzes at him as a young quarterback. And we'll see if, if O'Connell, how he gets him on the move, gets him out of the pocket perhaps with with a little bit of mobility, maybe running a little bit more than what we've seen. I think Hawkinson will be a big target as a tight end that's kind of an, uh, a safer route for a young quarterback rather than throwing it downfield, which perhaps is not good news for Jordan Addison, K.J. Osborne, who've been playing really well, and or for Jefferson when he comes back next week, if he's back next week. I think it's going to be really, really fascinating to see how Jaron Hall plays in Atlanta, how the Vikings, are they able to run the ball any better than they have been? And only 62 yards against Green Bay. They're the 31st-ranked rushing team going against a, a team that's okay, middle of the pack against the rush, and has been better against the pass in Atlanta. But meanwhile, the Falcons have some quarterback issues too, Jim, and, and we yep. may see – the Vikings' old friend Taylor Heineke, it sounds he, he's going to start. Yep. And Desmond Ritter, who leads the league in turnovers, you talk about those young quarterbacks. He's, he had his twelfth turnover last week with a, with a lost fumble. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Vikings Viking seasons are never boring, are they? Oh my God! I was talking to a uh, younger Viking writer at the facility on Wednesday, and we got in a conversation. And he had, you know, I wrote uh, a satirical piece earlier this week about uh, Kevin O'Connell's phone, who was texting him trying to get this job. And he said, "How did you come up with that?" I said, "When you cover the Vikings, you're pretty, you get pretty good at satire. Uh, weird, <laughs> weird, funny, bizarre stuff happens every season." That's for sure. There are no Wizenators this year, but... <laughs> Not yet. The season isn't over, Jeff. No. <laughs> there might be a Wizenator in the future. That, that, is, that is very possible. Definitely. All right. Uh, so what is your... Uh, I guess to go to non-quarterback here briefly, I'm really ready to see Cam Akers in more of a starting featured role. I'm even ready to see more Ty Chandler. I'm ready to see less Alexander Madison. And I think in in an offense where you're going to have you absolutely have to run the ball more. I just I would love to see what Cam Akers can do with you know 18 carries, 25 touches. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that too. I think that Akers ha- is a more instinctual runner than Madison. I think that Alexander Madison still has a role. He's he he still is is a good change of pace back. He he runs with power, doesn't catch the ball great as we've seen and has had some turnover issues that have been better recently. But I think that Akers just seems 
to to run smoother, as I said, more instincts and and, I, and Ty Chandler brings speed, and so I think that I think they need to use all three of those guys, and the offensive line needs to block the the run better, and Josh Oliver and and T.J. Hawkinson have to block it better, and and I think using C.J. Hammore and in that blocking fullback role as he was with Dalvin Cook is helpful to, to protect that young quarterback. They need to run the ball better and, and not be ranking 31st in the league. I think that's very clear. I, I thought it was also curious, Jim, at the trade deadline, and, and we can talk about more about some of the trade deadline deals. The, the Vikings trading is for Cleveland for a sixth-round pick to Jacksonville. I didn't think that made really any sense at this point in the season. When Cleveland has been a four-year starter, he's not a great player, but he's okay, and he brings depth to the offensive line. I know Chris Reed is back practicing, and they, and they like Blake Randall, but Cleveland, I think, on the occasions that Ed Ingram struggles, which can happen, as we've seen, to be able to have a Cleveland to throw in there, why would you want to trade him now for a sixth-round pick when if he leaves in free agency – next March, you're still going to probably get a compensatory, at least a sixth rounder. So it, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me to make that move. And I think it's good news for Jacksonville where Trevor Lawrence has been sacked 19 times, but I don't think it made a lot of sense to make that trade for the Vikings. I think the Dobbs trade, yeah, it makes sense. You could argue and say, well, maybe Andy Dalton or Ryan Tannehill might've been a better option, but it probably would have, potentially cost him a little more, but probably not for Dalton necessarily. And the Panthers are going nowhere, but I think Dobbs is, is an okay pickup. And again, that again tells us that, that Cousins is still on the front burner to return. And, and also in that Cousins conversation, they still have to sign Justin Jefferson long-term. And don't you think that JJ would, would rather – be looking at playing with, with, with Kirk next year as opposed to a rookie quarterback. And maybe the rookie quarterback has a year to get indoctrinated into the system. That I think that would be more appealing to Jefferson as he looks to his long-term extension. Agree completely. Let's get more into the Cleveland deal, which I thought was very puzzling. And Brian Flores, the defense, the trade deadline, and some cool games around the league this week. First of all, Jeff, tell us about White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. The White Bear Lake Superstore Buick GMC with my longtime friend, owner, Paul Rubin, general manager, Charlie Guttrell. They're fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. You will find 0.9% APR and a $3,250 purchase allowance on 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s. 1.9% APR and up to $1,250 purchase allowance on 2023 Buick SUV models, 1.9% APR and a $500 purchase allowance on 2023 GMC terrains, plus no monthly payments until 2024. The Wiper Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North and Wiper Lake are online at wiperlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. 
We also want to thank longtime sponsor Platinum Bank. Platinum Bank, our great sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder, have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive VP Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. So I, like you, thought that the Cleveland deal was rather bizarre. Uh, I just don't see a sixth-round draft pick being good value for a starting caliber offensive lineman on an offensive line that has struggled in the interior. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the heck's going on there. Uh, another interesting development here, uh, and we're, we cor- tend to be quarterback obsessed because it's such a fascinating position, and the, the, the events at that position have been so fascinating here the last week. Brian Flores is – kicking the snot out of young quarterbacks. <laughs> and and he, his defense is on a really good run here. Yeah, definitely true. And I, I think it's kind of amazing when you look up at the stats all of a sudden and the Vikings are ranked 11th in the league on defense yep. after being 31st last year. And it's translating into wins the last three weeks and probably would have added a couple more earlier if they hadn't turned the ball over so much. And, and even in that respect, Flores, I think – has improved as a defensive play caller compared to when he was over blitzing Justin Herbert in that game and didn't adjust and, and trying to trying to blitz Patrick Mahomes against Kansas City. So so he's come on as a play caller as he's learned his personnel more. I think it's really interesting how he's utilizing Josh Metellus, who early in the season looked like a liability out there, especially in coverage, and now all of a sudden he's stealing balls with fantastic interceptions last week in Green Bay. It's just, it's really pretty impressive what the defense is doing. Daniil Hunter, of course, is is the key and leading the NFL in sacks, had his 10th sack. They they have got to keep him healthy. Without him, I, I think they, they really go down the tubes on defense. And even though DJ Wan's playing better, Harrison Phillips, I, th- I thought, took a big step in the last couple of weeks in run defense and that interior defensive line playing better, which has really been a key against the run that, that had been a liability. The Vikings now rank 13th against the rush. So I'm still very apprehensive about their corners. I thought a Caleb Evans had a bad game in green Bay, had the pass interference, got beat for a touchdown, got beat several other times. Andrew Booth jr. We've talked about him. He just seems to be going nowhere. And, uh, Byron Murphy has been okay, seems to, to give a lot of room at times. I thought their best corner in Green Bay was actually Makai Blackman, the third-round pick. And yeah. if I was Flores, I'd be starting him this week over Evans. Yeah. So it's it's really kind of interesting when you look at the corners. I think that's still a big concern coming down, down the pike here. Maybe not this week, but Taylor Heineke, he kind of lit it up in the second half <laughs> for – Atlanta last week had 175 yards in the second half. Now, we'll see if Drake London, their top receiver, can play. He did not practice on Wednesday. 
with a groin injury. Those are tricky. Kyle Pitts is a really dangerous tight end, <clears throat> very high pick in the draft, fourth overall in 2021. So the, the Falcons have some weapons. Bijan Robinson, their first-round pick this year, is, is a top-ten rusher in the league. He's also got 26 catches, two touchdown receptions. So he's dangerous. I, I just don't know if, if Heineke could be counted on with his inconsistency in the past, and the Vikings beat him last year in Washington, as we recall. But it's not going to be an easy game, but none of these games are going to be easy when you've got your number two quarterback, number three quarterback, whoever's in there. But I will say this, Jim, and, and again, a history lesson. <clears throat> yes. And you know this well, because, because I lived this. 1977, Bob Lee came in when Fran Targan broke his leg, led, led the Vikings, led our team to the NFC Championship with a little help from Tommy Kramer on a fantastic game against San Francisco. Bob Lee had been a career backup, as Josh Dobbs has been, basically until this year in Arizona when he started. You've got 1987, Wade Wilson comes in for Tommy Kramer, who was banged up, leads us on that great playoff run, beating New Orleans and San Francisco and almost beating Washington in the NFC Championship game. 1998, of course, although I don't really put Randall Cunningham in the same class as a Bob Lee or Wade Wilson at that point because Randall Cunningham had been a former Pro Bowl quarterback, and, and he stepped in so early that year for Brad Johnson and had, of course, an MVP season, but he was still the number two. And then, more recently, Case Keenum and the Minneapolis Miracle in the 2017 season. He goes 11-3 and three as a starter. It can happen with that number two quarterback catching fire, and the team responds and rallies around him. So, for again, for those people who are writing off the Vikings because they lost Cousins, I'm going to say not so fast. Let's see yep. what happens. You were right on again. All right, let's get to the league. What did you make of the trade deadline? Well, I, I thought I thought that <clears throat> San Francisco made a great move for, for Chase Young at the cost of only a third-round pick. I, I thought that, that the commanders made a good trade of Montez Sweat to get a high second-round pick from the Bears. But then they turn around and do a stupid move with trading Chase Young for a third-round pick when they probably would have got that as a compensatory pick if he left in free agency. So that, and to, to gut their, their defensive line at this point, I think we all assumed they were going to keep both those guys sweating young when they'd already given big money to Jonathan Allen and, and Deron Payne. But to, to trade them both away sends a, a bad message to the locker room that they've kind of given up. The Bears, to me, Jim, again – Really, Ryan Poles, their GM, I, I'm not sure how he can survive. First of all, he trades for Chase Claypool last year with, with the Steelers and gives up a high first, second-round pick, which ends up being the first pick in the second round and ends up being Joey Porter Jr. in Pittsburgh. And Claypool lasts 18 games or 13 games with 18 catches in Chicago before he dumps him, and he does the same thing by trading for Sweat. Now, Sweat's a better player. But again, he gives up a high second-round pick that's going to be a top-three pick probably in the second round on a player with an expiring contract. And to do that deal without having an extension already done for Montez Sweat does not make sense because, again, they could lose him very easily next March and be in the same boat 
as they were with Claypool and lose a, a high second round pick. I think the Bears are ridiculous with what they did. I, I think I think some other moves around the league. I think the Bills really helped themselves by by trading for Rasul Douglas and and I'm sure the Vikings are, are happy to get Douglas out of Green Bay because he's a good player. And Douglas can step in after the Bills lost Tredavious White for the season with a torn Achilles. Those Achilles seem to be going around this year yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. with White and Rodgers and Cousins. And then you look at the Eagles trade for Kevin Byard, uh, a former, former Pro Bowl safety to help their secondary that's been struggling. So I think there are a lot of good moves. The Giants are having just a terrible season, but I thought they made a good move to get a second and a fifth for Leonard Williams to Seattle when four years ago they gave up a third and a fifth to get Williams from the Jets. So I think those are all good moves, positive moves. The Rams, I think, could have helped themselves by getting Brian Burns. They They weren't able to pull it off. The Chiefs and Mahomes didn't get a top receiver when there were some really good play, really good receivers out there. Now they weren't going to get Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton from the Broncos or, or Devontae Adams from the Raiders within the division, but but maybe they, they could have got Marquise Brown from the Cardinals or Darius Slayton or maybe traded again for Juju Smith-Schuster. So I think that Mahomes is, is suffering from not having a really excellent receiving core outside of Travis Kelsey. And so... Those are some of my kind of reactions to the trade deadline. wasn't quite as impactful as last year when there were four Pro Bowl players traded for, including McCaffrey, Hawkinson, Roquan Smith, and Bradley Chubb. But I think I think that Chase Young makes the makes the 49ers even more formidable on that defensive front. Yep. All right. Let's get to some picks. And we use picks as a good opportunity to give Jeff a chance to talk about different teams around the league. Hey, uh, Dolphins. Chiefs, premier matchup in Germany. I'm trying to remember where did you take what did what uh, overseas trips did you take as a general manager? Yeah, never never a regular season game in those days, but but we played we we did play in Berlin in preseason. We played in 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 Tokyo. We had a a really interesting trip to to Sweden, playing in Gothenburg, Sweden. And, and we played in London. We were the first team to ever play in London against the Cardinals in 1983, which was a big challenge for me since I was overseeing operations and team travel at that point. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and we had we had a kind of a crooked promoter of the game. So it was, it was a dice <laughs> back in those days, as opposed to the league taking it over. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I'm, – I'm not sure the league is thrilled that this Miami-Kansas City game ended up being – an, uh, an 8.30 start in the morning on Sunday, Central Time, 9.30 Eastern Time. And what, what would that be, 6.30 on the West Coast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're talking about a, a, a premier matchup of, of division leaders. Uh, so, I, but, but I think it's going to be an exciting game, and I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, no doubt. But I, I, I think Kansas City had a rough game last week in Denver, but I think they were kind of coasting and maybe looking ahead to Miami. I really expect the Chiefs to bounce back this week, but I, I could easily see the Dolphins winning this game. Yes, oh, no doubt about it. All right, Buffalo, Cincinnati, two AFC powerhouses. Uh, how are you feeling about each of these teams right now? It's like Burrow's gotten back to full health, and that's made all the difference. Yeah, he played great in San Francisco, 28 out of 32. And Jamar Chase lighting it up. 
I, I like Cincinnati. They, they, as you know, they were my Super Bowl pick before the season. I wasn't feeling really good about it when they were one and three, but I'm feeling much better now. They're four and three, and and back in the hunt in that AFC North, chasing Baltimore six and two. And Baltimore ha- has a, a fairly tough game with Seattle this week, but it's at Baltimore. I like Cincinnati in this game. I think the Bills are just kind of up and down. It could certainly go the other way, but. I just think Cincinnati's getting it going and Burrow is healthy. I, I like the Bengals in this game. Agreed. Uh, Dallas, Philadelphia, another premier game, uh, and certainly an ESPN favorite. Uh, they love this rivalry. Yeah. And certainly the Cowboys coming off a big win over the Rams. The Eagles have been up and down, and their pass defense surprisingly has struggled this year. They're 26 against the pass as opposed to their led the league in pass defense last year, which I'm sure gets Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb excited after they lit up the Rams last week for two touchdowns and 158 yards. I just think that Philadelphia, I know that Dallas has, has played Philadelphia tough, in, in especially the last couple of years, but I think the Eagles find a way to win this game at home. I think the Cowboys could certainly win it in, in Dallas in a few weeks when they match up, but I, I'll take the Eagles at home. Uh, agreed again. All right, let's get to the Vikings. Battle of backup quarterbacks, two four and four teams firmly in the playoff race. Who do you like? Well, I, I'm going to go with the Vikings because I think Atlanta's got some issues in, in their in their pass defense. I think they've got some issues at quarterback. It could certainly go the Falcons' way again. I think it's a it's a close game. I'm a little surprised by the Falcons being favored by four and a half in this game. But again, that's that's a reflection almost totally of, of Cousins being being hurt and out of the lineup. I, I think it would be a, basically a pick 'em game or the Vikings might be a favorite if Cousins was playing. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Vikings in a in a close game, not necessarily a real high scoring game. Both teams have pretty good defenses. Atlanta's sixth rank. But they, they were not very good at Tennessee last week. And, and the Vikings 11th ranks. I, I, I'll take the Vikings 20 to 17. Yeah, I, I'm going to go same idea. I'm going to say 13 12, Vikings win it with a defensive touchdown. I think Flores against Heineke will be the uh, key to this game. I like Flo- the way defense is playing right now. It's going to be very interesting. Let's get a final thought from Jeff. Thanks again to White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank and our producer. Brandon Morton, again, if you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Remember to check TalkNorth.com for all of our other sports, outdoor, and variety shows. And check out the new Don Mitchell show. It's been a blast. Jeff, final thought. Well, I think my final thought, again, back to the trade deadline and, and how many really top-flight receivers did not get moved that we expected to perhaps get traded, such as uh, Judy or Cortland Sutton in, in Denver, Darnell Mooney, Mooney at the Bears, I thought was a good chance to get traded when he's going to be a free agent. Devontae Adams, a really interesting case in 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 uh, Las Vegas, and the Raiders are a mess. They fire their coach, they fire their GM at midseason, and Adams, boy, you could really see how disgruntled he was on Monday night in Detroit when he had one catch for 11 yards and Garoppolo overthrew him on a, when he was wide open on a deep route. And, and the Lions get to, get the win to get to six and two, but meanwhile the Vikings are in a position where suddenly if they get the win in Atlanta, they'd only be a, a game and a half back of Detroit, 
at the mid at the midpoint in the season with two games against the Lions remaining and a, a somewhat favorable schedule ahead, uh, especially coming up in the next few weeks with New Orleans here and and the, and the Bears and uh, a game at Denver. Although Denver wins at Kansas City, so. It's a big game for the Vikings if they want to make inroads on Detroit and, and get to that point where they're only a game and a half back. Yep, it's going to be fascinating. I will be there, and we will talk about it next week here on Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Thanks to Jeff, thanks to Brandon, and thanks to everyone who listens. <laughs>